0: Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? Come on, are you guys excited to be in the house of God? Let me pray for you guys right now for a second here before we get this word started here. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, Lord, that we can come to your house and we can learn your word, Father. Father, as we continue this series on finding our missing peace, there's a lot of people here, Lord, that just need some peace in their life right now. Things are confusing. Things are not going right. And Father, some of them are even questioning you, Lord. I just pray as we leave this church service today, Father, that we will leave with a new profound sense of who you are and what you want in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys ready for the word of God today? Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, as we read together here. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there. They were washing their nets. And stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a single thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear and shout for help. For their partners in the other boat. And as soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, Lord, please leave me. What a response. Please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner. I mean, you feel like that today. I'm too much of a sinner. To be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, James, John, the son of Zebedee, was also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What an amazing passage. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word of God here today. As we continue our series, Finding Our Missing Peace, there's no doubt in my mind that there's some peace that you're looking for in your life. There's some peace that you're in desperate need of. And as I began to read this passage, I want you to understand something. The Bible says that Jesus noticed That word notice means to have your attention grabbed. So imagine this, imagine Jesus, who is God, imagine God and you have his attention. You see, we tend to wonder, what is it that grabs the attention of God? Is it how many church services I go to? Is it how beautiful I sing? Is it how much of the Bible that I know? What is it that really grabs God's attention? And the Bible says that Jesus noticed. See, what would happen in your life if Jesus noticed you? What if God noticed you? So I asked myself, what is it that grabs God's attention the most? And the Bible verse is right there. And Jesus noticed two empty boats. That word, empty, means void. Other translations, worthless. Can I tell you what grabs the attention of God most right now in this life? Is a person who is void. A person who is empty. See, when Jesus sees emptiness, He knows He can fill it. So if you come to this church today, and you feel a sense of void in your life, Maybe right now you have God's attention. God is not noticed by you because of how much you know of him. God is not noticed because of how much church you go to. I believe that the notice that God has for you right now is because he looks at your life and he sees there's something missing. He sees that there's an emptiness. And what's sad is that in all of us there's a void. In all of us, in this world, there's a sense of emptiness that we're longing to fill. And the Bible says that Peter worked all night trying to fill that boat. And it impresses me because so many of us, like Peter, were working hard trying to fill this emptiness in our lives. And we're working hard trying to fulfill ourselves. We're working hard putting so much effort into this life day to day, trying to get by, trying to make it, trying to fill an emptiness inside us. And sadly, so many of us, like Peter, we're wasting our effort trying to fill in our lives what only Jesus Christ can fill. See, I believe that today, if there's a void in your life, you have the attention of God. When Peter had his boat filled with fish, imagine this, because Peter had not only his boat filled, he had his partner's boat filled. That means that Peter had enough money and wealth to finish working the rest of his life. Do you think right now that if God gave you all the money of the world, your problems will be fixed? Of course not. You see, I wonder because the Bible says that God filled all the boats of Peter, meaning it's the best day of business he's ever had. He can go home, go to the market, he can sell it, retire, live wealthy, and call it a day. Better yet, call it a life. I'm done. And many of us right now in our flesh are saying, man, I would kill to have that. I wish God can just pay all my bills off so I can just retire. I wish God would give me more income so I can live life and just be happy and then I will have it all and be satisfied. Why is it that Peter was not satisfied? Why is it that Peter had no peace even though he looked back and he had enough wealth to live for the rest of his life? Peter looked back and he saw these two boats that were filled and that was his dream. That was all he worked for and I see this as a pastor so many times. There's so many people we work so hard for what we want and when we get it it still doesn't satisfy. Peter didn't say Jesus thank you now I can live. Peter now Jesus thank you now I'm happy. Because sometimes our peace and our happiness is found in the wrong things. And we think that peace is a milestone. Once I reach a certain place in my life, once I have a certain object, once I accomplish a certain accomplishment, once I buy this and wear that and have this and have him and have her, once I obtain this, now I have it all. See, Peter worked for exactly what God gave him and it wasn't enough. Say, so I wonder today in each and every one of you, what is it that you're working for? What is it that you're putting all your effort into? And what if God gave you your exact desires? You quickly find out you still have an emptiness. You see this all the time. I have the house, I have the marriage, I have the kids, I have the the job, I have the possessions, the vacations, the retirement, the 401, I have it all. Why is it that I have an emptiness? What is it that I'm missing? Do I need another house? Do I need to get another job? Do I need another wife, another husband? Do I need to look for, do I need to replace it? What is it that I'm looking for? Why is it that there's so many people that have it all and still feel a sense like Peter of emptiness? Because the Bible clearly says Peter dropped everything. He left those fish behind, meaning the fish is not what he was looking for. See, I know exactly what Peter was looking for. Peter was looking to have his needs met, but his needs were not met by fish. See in all of us, human beings, we have a natural need. Here are the four basic needs of every person here today. You and I both, all of us in common. Number one, there's a need for acceptance. Say it with me, acceptance. There is a need for acceptance. Acceptance simply means that you have a need to love, be loved, and be appreciated. Number two, there's a sense there's a need for identity. To be a significant purpose. To have an identity means I'm not like everyone else. I need to be myself. There's a sense of a need, a desperate need for us to be individualized. We have a need for identity. Who am I? Then there's a need. Third, there's the need for protection, security, provision. We all have a need to know, to say, I want to be stable. That's a natural need in all of us people. And lastly, there's a sense of a need for purpose. Why am I living? What am I good for? You see, in all of us, there is the need for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And I believe that Peter was not looking for anything but acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And maybe that's why Peter was a fisherman. He wanted to be loved and to love by having fish out for people. Peter was known as the fisherman. That was his identity. Peter had a sense of security. As long as I catch fish, I can pay off my house. I can provide for my family. There's my provision. There's my security. And because I'm a fisherman, there's my purpose. But notice, that night, he had no fish. So in one night, Peter realized that when this fishing business goes down, all my needs go down. I have no acceptance. I have no identity. I have no security. I have no purpose. Why? That's exactly what happens when you put your greatest needs on everything that's not Jesus. If your greatest needs, I want to ask you this question right now. Where do you meet your greatest needs? Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Where do you go to meet that? Do you go to your spouse? I hear it all the time. couples. It's cute, but it's demonic almost. I'm nothing without you. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have you. That's where your needs are. My acceptance, identity, security, and purpose is in a relationship. Some parents are so loving of their children that I don't know what I'd do without my kids. There is your need. Other people is my possessions. If I have this house, if I have this boat, if I have this car, if I have this and this and that, that is my greatest need. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that. It's money, it's jobs, possessions, it's people. But here's an interesting factor. All of those things can forsake you. All of those things can be gone in a day. And Peter realized, if all my needs are met in this business, and when this business goes down, then I go down with it. My acceptance and identity and security and purpose, all four of my needs are not obtainable by anything or anyone, but Jesus Christ himself. All of us can relate. Because all of us know that this life will forsake us. Children go. Maybe physically they pass away and it had it's sad, it's tragic. Or maybe when they grow up, they don't need you anymore, mom and dad, and they leave. It's a job that you think I'm nothing without until they lay you off. It's a spouse that says I'm nothing without them until they stay. I don't love you anymore. Money goes. Life will Forsake us. But God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why John six thirty five, Jesus said that He is. Notice, I am the bread of life. Bread in Scripture was always a symbol of need. Jesus was saying here, because bread was a necessity in, those, in that culture, you didn't have chicken, you didn't have pork, you didn't have lamb. That, that didn't matter. What was me, the most important thing on that table was bread. That was a need in that culture. So Jesus said here, "I am the need of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again." Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that I can meet your greatest needs, and when you come to me, you will never feel a void in your life again. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the only, I repeat, the only one that can fulfill the four greatest needs of your life. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. You want to feel the greatest acceptance of all? It's found in Jesus Christ. He loves you so much and values you beyond what you can ever imagined. He died on the cross for your sins. Who else will take the blame for you? You want to see acceptance and you want to see identity like nothing else? Jesus knows exactly who you are and who you can become. He's the one that sets your identities in place because the Bible says, before you were born, I knew you you want to know who am I? God knows. And it's in Christ Jesus. The greatest security and provision you will ever have is in Jesus Christ. who says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches. Whatever you're going through, I can get you through. Whatever tries to fight against you, I will fight with you. I will meet your greatest security. You want to know about purpose? God has created you for a purpose. Nothing else in this world can meet your needs like Jesus Christ nothing my acceptance my identity my security and my purpose that's why Peter left everything for Jesus because it wasn't enough to have a successful business to have all the money, to have his, all his desires fulfilled. Because Peter knew these boats are filled now, but they can become empty again. Are you with me today? That's why you're trying to fill a void through the world. You're trying to fill a void that only God created you to have for him to fill. So it's not in anything or anyone, but Jesus. That's the greatest peace you could ever have. And sadly, that's the peace many of us are missing. It's not in anything or anyone. Peter goes on to follow Jesus. Jesus. Peter goes on to say, All right, Jesus, you know what? I thought what I needed was more fish. I thought what I needed was more money. I thought what I needed for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose was to be known as the greatest fisherman of all time. Who else can fill two boats during the worst night of fish? Who else can do what I have done? I thought I made it, but the truth is, why is it? I still have a void. And Jesus just looks at Peter, and Peter knew exactly what he meant. All right, Jesus. I'll follow you. I'll follow you. How would your life change? Because Peter's life changed. The second he responded to the invitation for Jesus to say, follow me. But see, sadly, many of us, we're living in a culture where we like to lead and not follow. Follow. Yeah, we'll follow on Instagram and Twitter. I'm I'm not talking about that. Some of us love to be in control. Some of us like to be in authority. Some of us want to be the one to say, listen, I want to call the shots. Am I preaching the truth today? And let me ask you, where has that gotten you in your life? Jesus says follow me, but oftentimes we come to Jesus and we say, follow me, Lord. You just bless it. You just be with me. But Lord, follow me. I want to do what I want to do, say what I want to say, achieve what I want to achieve. I'm just asking you to be with me in it. And Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. Follow me. Follow me. Peter followed Jesus. We looked at the life of Peter. I said, man, what an amazing life. He preached 2,000 people got saved. He was so awesome that the Bible records his shadow touching people and healing them. What has your shadow done lately? just think about that. His shadow. And what is a shadow? Only a reflection of when the sun hits. So even God gets the glory for your shadow. Because it's Jesus himself hitting you. So I'm thinking, man, Peter, you preached a sermon and reached 2,000 people. Your shadow accidentally touched someone and they're like, oh, I can see. Oh, I can walk. What happened? That shadow touched me. The guy walked on water. See, when you choose to follow Jesus, there's no telling of what kind of power it's in you through Christ and what you will be able to accomplish for the glory of God. If you just make the decision to follow. He's walking on water. He's preaching to thousands, getting saved. He's healing. He's doing all of these amazing things. And then I asked myself, God, how? And I know what you're thinking because you're so Christian. Oh, it was Jesus, Pastor, obviously. How did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus do it? How did Peter accomplish so much greatness in his life? Because I know without a doubt, there's a lot of you here that you want to see God do amazing things. Not in heaven. I love heaven. But I want to see God do the amazing things on the living, on this earth, in this lifetime. That's what I'm saying. How? And my Christian people are saying, Jesus. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. What if I told you it was Jesus? And something else. And, I, and some of you are like, oh, brace yourself. Here comes the beat down. Here it comes. Yeah, y'all, you're right. But before I can preach this to you, I want to ask you, do you really honestly want to see God show up in amazing ways in your life? Yes. Show me your hands. Pastor, too. I want to see God just do amazing things. I don't just want to talk about Him. I want to see it. And there's something you need to do that Peter did. You want to know what it is? Oh, there are my Christian answers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was Jesus. He followed. He surrendered. Come on. It's more than that. You want to know what it is? There's another Christian answer. (laughs) You're so Christian. It's funny. Verse 9. Bet you never saw this or thought of this one. Verse 9. The Bible says, Peter was... Ooh, wait a minute. Before he followed him, what happened inside him? Awestruck. That word awestruck means to be amazed. You know why God... Brace yourself. Brace yourself. I'm getting close. You want to know why God can't do amazing things in your life? Because you don't find God that amazing. I'm walking back. I'm walking back. You want to know why God can't do the amazing? Because lately you look at God as though He's not that amazing. Other things are more amazing to you. Other shows and other programs and other entertainment and other people. Everything else is amazing. Oh man, I saw this movie. It was amazing. Only God's amazing. Only God come on. That food? Amazing! No. That restaurant? Amazing! No. No. Sermon! Pastor, that sermon! Amazing! No. I go to this amazing church, go forward! No, you don't. Nothing is amazing but God. Awestruck. I wonder... Does God strike you with awe? He doesn't if right now you're sitting down thinking about lunch looking at that clock. If other things are, man, after church I got to do laundry, I got to do this, I got. God hasn't stricken you with awe. Let me ask you again. You want God to do amazing things, but is God really amazing in your life? Because before Peter preached and healed and walked on water and was used by God, understand one thing happened first. He was all struck. See, I believe that if you want God to change the direction of your life, If you want God to really fulfill your greatest needs, if you want God to really put you in this position of great miracles and wonders, if you want God to really do the impossible, I believe that there has to be a place in your heart where you are just stricken with awe with God. It changes your direction. It changes your priorities. And it even changes that little attitude of yours when God is amazing. You're like, yeah, it's amazing. Listen. We lie and we say, yeah, I think God's amazing. But do you live like what you think? Why, I think God's amazing, yes. But you can think it, do you live it? When something is amazing, you give your life and time and effort to. It's the truth. See, football season, it's coming. The Dolphins, not so amazing. But the game of football, amazing. And that's why we rush home and we sit down on the TV and we yell and we scream and we shout. like, yeah! Why? Because that is what I find amazing. What is it in your life that you say, wow, this is so amazing because that's where all my time and effort goes to. So, I want to quickly tell you there are four, see, there's four needs. So, I'm going to match it with four levels of amazement. Because I want to be convinced right now that all of you here think God's amazing. But in my little pastor mind, I'm also convinced none of you here think God's amazing. You ready? The first level of amazing. Because remember, Peter was awestruck. The first level of being in awe of God. Amazing. It's complete amazement. Complete. See, when you are in complete amazement of God, you're willing to change your priorities. Peter's priorities was fishing and family. And when Jesus came, it was Jesus and everything else is after. When God is complete, when you're amazed completely at God, it changes your attitude. Because Peter looked at Jesus and said, Listen, I'm a sinner. See, when God is so amazing, you recognize your sin easily. It changes the attitude you have towards sin and others and yourself. It changes. Notice that when Jesus looked at Peter and Peter said, Look, I'm not even worthy. Get away from me. You know why? Because Jesus clearly blessed them with so much fish, but when Peter looked at all the blessing, he knew he didn't deserve it. You know that when God is completely amazed by you, is when you know that you are so eternally grateful for everything you have, because deep down inside you know you don't deserve a thing. So when God is not completely, when you're not amazed completely by God, You're not so grateful. Your priorities don't really change, nor direction, nor sin. Does it matter? Do you now think you're completely astonished by God if life is still about you and there's a sense of entitlement that you deserve it all? You're not that amazing, but God is. And then there's the other extreme. The second level of amazement with God is the not amazed. Mark chapter 11 verse 18. The Bible was clear that there were so many people. Notice when the leading priests and teachers of the religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill Him. But they were afraid of Him because the people were what? so amazed by Jesus see you had a group of people one group was completely amazed but there was a certain group of people religious people that were not amazed at all it came to the point that they resented Jesus You know that the second level of amazement is not amazed at all. It's at a point that not only do you resist God, but you resent His followers. You resent the things of God. This is the culture we're living in today. No, a lot of people today in this culture this is a generation that is no longer amazed by God but actually is not only tolerable of God they not only resent God they want to resist them all together that's why they're trying to put an end to all prayer, all churches the name of God, even the name of Christ no Bible in church, no Bible in school, pastor can't preach what he wants, we need to shut this down, why? because it's about Christianity we won't even call an attack on Christians, even an attack on Christians. We call it an attack on Easter. What is that? Because we're tired of Christianity. And maybe you're at this level. Respect my beliefs, but I will not respect yours. I will put an end to your faith, but don't you even touch mine. So that's the level of completement where God is everything, your direction, your priority Lord's whatever you want. There's the level of not, not at all. I don't care. I don't even want it. And I even, in fact, the truth is I hate anyone and I really criticize anyone who follows Jesus. Maybe you find some of this not in yourself, but in your family members or your friends. and the last two levels of astonishment I believe are the most dangerous because I believe with all my heart they're here today can I tell you the truth as your pastor I believe that in this room not one of us is completely astonished by God let's scratch out number one unless I'm wrong who am I wrong show me your hand no I'm completely astonished good I'm right I believe in this room. No one's at the second level because you're in the church. So I don't believe that you are resentful of God right now and Christians. Anyone? Anyway, am I wrong? I won't judge you. You hate me? Oh, you're just scratching. I thought you were raising your hand. i was like, whoa. <laughs> Ooh, I thought I knew him. <laughs> okay. So the last two levels of astonishment Because if you want God to truly transform your life, it starts with astonishment. I believe the devil knows that. That's why he tries to get your astonishment elsewhere. The third level of astonishment and amazement. John chapter 1, verse 41 and 42. A lot of people don't even know this. Andrew went to find his brother Simon. Who's Simon? Peter. Peter. I told them, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Did you know that the Sea of Galilee, that whole fish thing, was not the first time Peter met Jesus? A lot of us think so, but it's not. It makes sense now why Peter didn't get mad. Someone's on his boat. He already knew him. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Caiaphas, which means Peter. And you're thinking, Pastor, what's so dangerous about that? Peter right here, he met Jesus for the first time right here. Andrew came, you got to meet Jesus, he's here, and he came over. And the Bible says, they met And I believe this is the third level of astonishment because even though he met Jesus, the Bible never said he followed him. And this is where a lot of us might be here. The third level of astonishment is the kinda level. So I'm not completely astonished. I'm not not astonished, but I'm kinda Astonished. Wow, Jesus, that's pretty cool that you knew my name and you knew my dad and you knew who I was. It's kind of cool that you're predicting I'm going to change my name. That's kind of awesome. Wow, that's a little amazing. Kind of. Because notice, why is this level so dangerous? Because the Bible says Peter met Jesus. Maybe this is your level of amazement with God. You've just turned God into just a meeting. I'll meet you on Sunday. I'll talk to you. I'll think about you. We'll hang out. Peter and Jesus just hung out. That's why his life didn't change right there because as long as Jesus is just a meeting to you, he will never have any significance of astonishment to change you. And that's what Christ has become in the church today. It's just the meeting. I'll go to Bible study. I'll go to church on Sundays. I'll pray. I'll sing. I'll do this. I'll meet. And then I'll go all the week long without doing a single thing for the Lord. And I'll be back on Sunday. Then this is your level of astonishment. You have just limited God to just a meeting. If the most you hear and speak and sing and pray and read about God is on Sunday in an hour and a half, this is you. And this is why there's still a sense of void in your life and no peace. Because you've limited God to a time slot. And you're so comfortable with this because you say... I'm going to go spend some time with God. Shouldn't the Lord have all of your time? But we're at this level with astonishment that we just say, I've limited my time with God to Sunday. That's my time. And I pray in the morning, that's my time. That's all great. But see, Peter never left to follow Jesus there because even though he met with Jesus, hung out with Jesus, they talked and everything. That was awesome. On Peter's mind was still his fishing business. So you can meet with God every Sunday and he still not have the ultimate priority in your life. You can meet with God every week, day in and day out, every week, and still, God does not have your heart. Something else does. That's why Jesus warned in Revelations that this would happen in the church in the end times. Revelations chapter 3, 14. The Bible says to the angel of the church, notice this is a church In the end times, this is now. This message from the one who is the amen, the faithful, and the true witnesses in the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do. You're neither hot nor cold. Isn't that interesting? You're neither hot, those are the complete astonished people, which you're not, I'm not. You're either cold... That's the not level of astonishment. I want nothing to do with God. I'm so cold. He warned about those in the middle. Because I'm not completely astonished by God, but I'm not completely rejecting God. I'm just kind of in the middle. And Jesus warns about you. I wish you were one or the other. You know that God says, I wish you were cold? What's that about? Because at least when you're cold, He has more of an opportunity to change you than when you're comfortable. Because when you're comfortable, there's no desire to change. Duh! Because it's comfortable. Jesus says this is where the last church is. They're neither completely amazed by God, they're not completely rejecting God, they're in the middle. Kind of. I hear it a few times, I never forget it. People say, I'm kind of a Christian. What does that mean? (laughs) It's like a husband telling me, I'm I'm kind of married. I wonder if there's some kind of people here. Kind of wish you'd stop preaching. I kind of want to get out of here. I kind of. Why? Because this isn't your amazement, it's outside those doors. I wonder why the first meeting wasn't the first meeting that Peter said, I'll follow you. Because his priorities there was still his little boat. Do you see now why God had to allow Peter to go through a night of failure and emptiness on that boat? Because he was trying to let Peter know that very thing you put me before me will let you down. That thing that's more important than me will fail you. And that's why Peter followed him the second time. Because the first time, God's not a priority. And maybe you can be honest with yourself and realize, man, God's not a priority in my life. And I want to close with the last level of astonishment. So let me break it down The first level of astonishment and amazement is complete amazement. It's where you, God amazes you so much, it changes the course of your life, direction, priorities, attitude, and sin. That's not us, sadly. It's still about us. The second level is the not amazed. I actually resent God, the church, the Christian. I want nothing to do with that. The third level is to kind of amaze. I'll meet with God. I'll pray. I'll sing. I'll go to church. But it's not going to be my ultimate priority because I have other things that matter. I have a family. I have a spouse. I have kids. I have a job. And that's more important. i am gladly give you my time. I'll meet with you, Jesus. But I won't follow you. And it's no wonder God can do nothing because you've limited your time with God with just that, a time. But God doesn't want time with you. God wants a relationship with you. And you say, well, pastor, you said there were two that were here in this room. Yeah, because the fourth level, I believe is the saddest one. John 21, 3. Bible says Peter said I'm going fishing that's that's what I'm gonna read the pastor why is that so dangerous it's just fish you know because the way he said it in the Greek was the word hupasso that means to go back to what Peter was literally saying here is this is after he failed after he denied Jesus and made the worst mistake of his life he said I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to my old ways. See, this is the saddest level because the first level is completely amazed. The second level is not amazed. The third level is kind of amazed. And the fourth level, you ready? I was once amazed. To all my backsliders that can remember a time God had all your attention. That you can remember a time worship meant something, the word of God was exciting and coming to church was a thrill, but now you have to beat yourself up to cut here. And your mind wanders everywhere else but where you're at right now because you can remember a time and this is the I once was amazed. And sadly, this is where so many people find themselves backslidden from God, backslidden from the church with no desire for the things of God. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to comfort you today. We've all, maybe all of us here have been in a place where we were once amazed, but lately, not so much. See, Peter denied Jesus he lied and said I don't know him see do you find yourself denying Jesus I don't think I literally say I don't know Christ but notice who Jesus said it to he said it to those who didn't even know Jesus the lost and maybe today you know Jesus but you're living like the lost you're living like the world you're compromising with the world so that you feel no rejection And Peter goes back to the very boat that Jesus called him out of. And maybe this is how you know you're in the once was a maze. You're going back to the same sin God set you free from. You're going back to the same habits the Lord delivered you from. And you can remember a time that Jesus was everything, but now it's hard for you to just focus on him. And it breaks my heart to meet people that said, man, I, I was once so on fire for God. So maybe you're not completely amazed. Maybe you're not not amazed. Maybe I have some kind of amazed people. And maybe the majority are I was once amazed by God. I once loved the church. I loved the people in the church. I used to love to serve, read the Bible, pray. I can remember a time where God was always on my mind and now, I don't know where that person went. You see, it's like cold water. The minute you make contact with it, my body right now feels it. And it impacts. I'm like, whoa. You remember a time that you first made contact with God? The first time you met Jesus, you're like, wow. And you felt it. During worship, you felt it. During preaching, you're like, all into it. You read your Bible by yourself. You served. You can remember a time it was like God and you were like cold water. It hits you. It woke you. You felt it. But what happens is after a while, my brain naturally doesn't like this, so it begins to make adjustments. And now what was once so wow, well, I just kind of don't feel it anymore. And maybe this is where you're at with God. You become numb the water hasn't changed the ice is still there but even though I'm in it I don't feel it if this is you you're at the I once was amazed level cause you can be like this water nothing changes you're still in the church you're still listening to sermons you're still praying you're still doing this but God I don't feel it anymore Is the problem the water? Is the problem the ice? No. The problem is you. Your priorities have changed. Your focus. So if you're here today, you're saying, well... Am I in the once was level? Am I in the kind of amazed level? You see, if you want to get out of this level of your God in your life, you have to admit and confess that you're even in that level. So many people stay numb to God because they don't want to acknowledge they're numb because they fear that even God's going to get mad or other people will. But if you want to get out of this, you need to admit, God, I don't feel you anymore. God won't get mad. He won't be disappointed. He's going to say, I know. Hey, I know you're here. You don't want to be here. I know you don't feel me anymore. I know it takes a lot for you to do what I want you to do. I know where you're at. Acknowledge it. God, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So, if you're here, and you can remember a time you were amazed and awestruck. Or maybe you're in this place, and you say, I'm kinda, this is just a meeting for me. The Lord cannot do anything. That's why the Bible says in John 21, verse 4, Jesus was walking at the shore. This was after he was back on the boat. Peter was back on the boat, living backslidden, away from God. He was in the once was amazed stage. And when the day was breaking, You know why the Bible makes it clear about that little thing? Sounds pointless, but it's not. Because God wants you to know if you are backslidden far from the Lord, you were once amazed by Him and now you're far from Him. The Bible makes it clear when the day was now breaking, that is an indication to me that if you're there in that position, today can be a new day. That's why that's there. When the day was now breaking, Jesus stood at the beach. Looking at all backslidden Peter. He was so far from God. The Bible says the disciples did not even know it was Jesus. Listen, it didn't say they didn't see Jesus. They saw him. They didn't even recognize him. That's how you know you've gone so far. You can't even recognize God anymore. So Jesus said to them, Children, why does He say that? Because no matter how far you may have been, you'll never stop being a child of God. No matter how backslidden you may feel, God says you'll always be my child. But I love the sarcasm in Christ. You do not have any fish, do you? It's like God looking at you and you're far away. And He says, Hey, you're empty, right? You're miserable, right? I bet you're tired. You know why? Because you don't belong in that boat anymore. And Peter recognized. Because Peter looks at Jesus and says, No! With frustration. And he said to them, cast your nets on the right hand side. Just like before the first time. You know what God is saying here? You can get back to your first time. So he cast and they were not able to haul. Because right now God is letting you know, you can get back to that first time you were amazed by me. Cast your net to the other side. And you'll find a catch. They were not able to haul it. Sounds familiar, right? It's Luke chapter 5 all over again. Peter recognized that it was Christ. Verse 7, the Bible says, Disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. So Peter heard that it was the Lord and he put his outer garments on for he was stripped of work and he threw himself at the sea. You see, some of us we need to jump out of the boat a second time. Cuz you keep going back to it and back to it. Some people I meet they jump off the boat once and it's like they never backslide again. My mom's one of those people. I have met I have never met my parents backslid Never. My mom and I would never tell me of a time we stopped going to church. We would stop reading our Bible. We stopped praying. No. I've yet to see my parents backslide, so I know it's possible. Some of us can't relate. And we get back onto the boat. But once Peter made a decision and he jumped out, that's when the Lord began to use him and change him and fill him with acceptance, identity, security, and purpose let's pray Father open the hearts of those here today if you're here today you're saying God I'm kind of amazed this is just a meeting for me but nothing really changes or maybe you're at that level that you say I was once amazed but now things have become numb for me And maybe you're here, you're saying, well, pastor, I'm acknowledging to God today. Just acknowledge to God. I don't feel you like I used to. You're not what's most important. So I want to ask you now, if you're at that kind of level where God has just become a time slot for you, But everything else takes priority. You show me your hand right now and be honest to God as a sign of acknowledgement. God bless you. You there, all across the room there. And if you're here today, you're saying, God, I'm a once was level. I was once so amazed and captivated by you and I loved you and everything that you stood for. But lately, I've been backslidden. Lately, I'm going back to things where I know I shouldn't go back to and I'm doing things I know you called me out of and I'm I'm going back to my old ways and I miss those days of amazement. If that's you, you show me your hand now if you're at that fourth level. God bless you. A lot of you here today. Let me pray for you. If you're here, you're saying, God, can we all stand to our feet, all of us here today? It doesn't matter what level of astonishment you're in. Whether you're completely astonished, you're not astonished at all, maybe you're kind of astonished, or you were once astonished. You're just numb now. The Lord can call you back. The Lord can bring you back, change the direction of your life. You don't have to continue to live numb. But understand that the greatest peace you will ever find in your life is knowing that your acceptance, identity, security, and purpose can come through nothing but Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. For those here today that are saying, Lord, I'm kind of amazed. But the truth is, it's just a meeting where I pray, I sing, I learn, but I go back to my life and it's like nothing happened. Pray you just convict those hearts right now, that you died on that cross for more than just a meeting. And for those here who can say I was once amazed, but lately I don't find God so amazing. And my time and energy and effort and love goes to other things and people in this world. And I'm going back to things I know the Lord set me free from. The Lord wants you to know that you are still His child. And He is calling you back to that level of amazement. The Bible says to do the things you used to do. If you find yourself lukewarm, if you find yourself numb, go back to the very thing that got you to that place of amazement. And put God first again in your life. Father, bless the people here today. Help them to go back to that place where they once were. Those who used to pray and worship and read your Bible were excited about you, Lord. But lately it's just been become, their life has just become about the world and the things that don't even matter. It's become about entertainment and priority is no longer you, Father. I pray that you will stand along the shore like you did Peter. Look out to them and call them. Point out their emptiness. Point out their misery. Point out that the fact that they are not happy and point out the reason why. It's because they are not where they belong. And call them back to that place where you were everything to them. Call them back to that place where you were first in their life. And they had this excitement for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Give God some praise today if you're here in this house. Amen.